Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. This is Danielle. So if you listened to last week's episode, or if you've listened to pretty much any episode that we've done, you know that as much as I love my relationship with Adam, I have other relationships in my life that I just need to my core. People in my life, friends, my sister, um, you know, certain members of my family that I just absolutely feel like I would be incomplete if I didn't have a real stake in these relationships, like if they weren't as intense as they are. And it brings something so amazing to my life. I've just always been sort of obsessed with these relationships, especially my relationships with women. And I feel like I always have had this passion for understanding what it is about these relationships that make them so amazing. And I know a lot of you feel that way too, that you have relationships in your life other than your romantic partner who you really, really couldn't live without. And I also know that there are a lot of us women um, and maybe men also who feel like our partner maybe doesn't have the same connections with other people that we have. And that can get a little bit overwhelming because when your partner doesn't have those other relationships, a lot of the burden falls onto us. So today I spoke with Elizabeth Earnshaw. And what I love about Elizabeth Earnshaw is that she recognizes that as much as our partner is a huge part of our life or our significant other is a huge part of our life, that we need other relationships. That this idea that your other half, quote unquote, completes you is kind of bullshit. And she sort of calls it out and talks about all the reasons why that's just not the case. Um, and she's has a new book out that's called I Want This to Work. And it's an inclusive and easy to digest relationship book for the modern age. And she talks about conflict, healing, and connection, creating space that makes it safe to connect, busting the romantic notion that our better half completes us, growing up and growing out, how both your early years and the social connections you make as an adult influences your relational beliefs, feelings, and patterns. We talked about so much in this episode, and I absolutely love this conversation. We we talked about if men actually need the same kind of emotional connections that women do. How do men and women react differently to emotions, and why do we react differently to emotions? We talk about meta-emotions, which is a term that I didn't even know. I asked her about same-sex couples, and 
I always have the idea that maybe if like a woman and a woman are together, that maybe they're not dealing with these same kind of emotional conflicts because women just tend to deal with emotion differently. So I ask her about that and if that's true. Um, And the imbalance of being in charge of all the things family related, even your husband's family, and how overwhelming that can be. And she tells us how she got her husband to take over more responsibilities in their domestic life. And you are going to want to hear that because it was so eye-opening. So I love this book. I think everybody should read it. It's called I Want This to Work. Um, And please enjoy this interview with Elizabeth Earnshaw. Well, hi, Liz. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And we just established that you are right outside of my son's, um, like, most favorite city in the entire world, Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> also, already- my husband's my husband's favorite city too. They could talk sports together. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, but you say that you were fascinated very early on with relationships, very early in your life. What was it about relationships that made you so fascinated? Yeah. You know, I think it was probably a couple things. I grew up in a family where we were super, super close and we had a lot of good relationships, but there was also a lot of like extremely bad relationships at the same time. And so I think that it was always kind of fascinating to me that people could have really good relationships. Like my sisters and I were really close. My mom and I were really close, but then we had kind of extended family who really struggled to connect. Um, And I think watching that just made me fascinated, kind of seeing at a young age what the missteps were. I remember like watching people and being like, why, why are you saying it that way? Like you would get your way if you would just say it this other way or what's going on? Why have you cut each other off? Why aren't you talking? Um, And so I think that fascinated me really early on. I also don't know if there's just something that's like nature in it. I, as young as I can remember, I loved like romance movies and I loved playing Barbies and making them fall in love. And it's just always been my thing, you know, since I came out, I think. (laughs) Right. Right. I think that's, I I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like throughout my life similar, I, I, one thing that I really identify with, with what you say is, and what you um, sort of concentrate on is obviously romantic love and, you know, your, your, your spouse or your partner or that relationship is of course crucial, but that's not the end all be all. And, and I love that you, you know, make all this room for other relationships that in some ways we really need just as much as the romantic factor. And I I think that when, from when I was younger, for me, it's always been sort of relationships with women. Um, I was always fascinated by my relationships with women, not in a romantic sense, but in a um, just, I just felt like, like that connection was something that was so like palpable. And so um, I just couldn't live without it. And I always had women in my life who were very close that weren't my mom. Um, I mean, I was always close with my mom in a different way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, what relationships in our life do you feel like even from a young age, do we, do we need that we as parents uh, want maybe our kids to have, or as, you know, as we're going through life, like what kind of relationships should every person have? 
I love that question. And I just have to say, I related so much to what you were just saying. My whole life, I've been obsessed with my relationships with girls, like in a good way. Like, and I just have loved my girlfriends and my sisters and my aunts. And like, it's, it's been a theme in my life too. So as you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're the same heart. Yeah, it's true. Um, It's something about it. Yeah. It's very special. So Yeah. It's so important that we have so many varied relationships. Right. And I think that's important for many reasons. You know, we certainly learn from our caregivers our parents or whoever takes care of us. Um, but we also learn a lot from other family members. We learn a lot from friends and siblings and a lot of the way that we learn about ourselves is through other people. So if we're only having the reflection back from our caregivers, or as adults, only having that reflection back from our partner, then we aren't like experiencing the wholeness of who we are either. Right. And so when children are young, as they're growing up, it's really developmentally appropriate and important that they are getting interactions with other people. And if you think about, um, you know, the past children grew up in villages, so they were learning from auntie and neighbor and elder and all of these types of things. Um, and they were, they were being molded by these experiences and we don't have as much of, of that now. And I think that that's kind of challenging, especially with the pandemic. I mean, kids just haven't had that developmental opportunity to kind of experiment with who they are within these other kind of like safe social relationships or familial relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's like for you know a year and a half, you were literally trapped, especially for teenagers. I mean, I have a 16-year-old. And to be trapped just with your parents for all that time, it really took away something, I think, from you know, that 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 full circle of connection that you get from all those other relationships. Um yeah, I I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about when you're when you're talking about we don't get a full sense of who we are just from if we have one really core relationship. And I know with a lot of my friends and I, we talk so much about the fact, my friends who are in you know straight relationships, we talk so much about the fact that our husbands just don't have the same kind of connections that we do. I'm My husband will always say like, oh, you know, I have like two friends. I don't need friends. Um, I have you. Why do I need friends? I'm the one who makes all the social plans. I'm the one who makes sure that we actually have friends and have other relationships. <laughs> and he's sort of just like, just follows wherever I tell him to go. And, um, and I would love for him to reach out and make relationships for himself and for us both as couples, but it, he just doesn't, I mean, he's busy and, and he just, it's just not in him. But I feel like without my relationships, I, I don't know what I would do. So is it true that men don't need these other relationships? What is that? Yeah, it's, I feel like there's so many different things we could kind of explore with that. Um, Similarly with my husband, it's really interesting because I'm friends with a lot of his friends' wives and I'll know things about their lives. And he has a huge group of friends. So he's a little bit opposite. He has like way more friends actually than I do, but they're not as intimate. So I'll be friends with his wife and I'll know, Oh, did you hear they're expecting? And he was like, no. And I'm like, what were you texting about last night? Then like, where did your conversations 
go, they're having a baby. How do you not know this? Right. And so there's like this difference in intimacy level that I think we can say we, we see sometimes. And of course, this is a generalization and things are different across um, people and human beings, but generally men, because I think mostly because of socialization, haven't really learned to create intimate relationships. And often their only template for that might be with a romantic partner. They often find that they need that romantic partner to kind of pull it out of them, to help support them in creating that intimacy where it is talking about emotions a little bit more, talking about um, like that internal world that they have, of course, because we all have it, but that they haven't really had opportunity to practice with. And if you think about um, socialization for women, for people who are raised like in the feminine, they are practicing all of that intimacy from a young age. They are practicing intimacy with their baby dolls because they are practicing, oh, you're crying, you need food, what can I do for you? They're practicing with their Barbies, they're practicing with tea parties, they're doing it at sleepovers. Meanwhile, men from a young age, and I think this is really changing, but from a young age, they were socialized to play sports with each other. Nobody's talking while they're playing sports. They're just running up and down a field. So they're not practicing um, that muscle of connection and intimacy. The other thing that I think makes these differences happen in adulthood is that there are often what's called a meta emotion mismatch or difference. Have you ever heard of that? No. So the way we think about emotions is often different, like as a woman, than the way men have been socialized to think about emotions. So women think and feel good about emotions. They like to share them. So that's how you make deep connections is by sharing pain and joy. So we share with our friends, I'm so sad today. I'm tired. I feel like a shitty mom. Um, I'm so excited. Look what just happened. You know, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm nervous. Like we share these things with people. So we bond men have been socialized to think and feel that emotions are unhelpful. And because of that, they don't know how to share them. And so it's a little harder to bond when you don't know how to share your pain. And when you don't know how to share your joy, you can bond over surface, but you can't go deeper. And so I think that also creates some limitations for the types of friendships that sometimes men can create. Now they need them. And there has been studies that have shown that after in a heterosexual relationship, after a man's wife passes away, they don't do well because they don't have social connections. And it's been shown the opposite for women. Women usually actually do just fine after their spouse passes away. They have friends, they have people bring them casseroles, they have people take them for pedicures and love on them. Um, so men need those connections, but a lot of their socialization makes it so hard to do. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 
I was thinking about what you were saying about sports. That's so interesting how, I mean, even if they are communicating during sports, it's very much like I'm to the left or, you know, like (laughs) kick me the ball over here or, you know, like it's very logistical based. Um, And even I think about my sons with video games because they're very into video games. Even that is, even though they're playing now with their friends and, you know, they're all like playing, you know, Madden and it's, you know, they're on sports teams and whatever. It's very much like the same kind of thing. Like, you know, oh, let's pick this player and that player. And whereas my daughter, when she's with her friends, and I don't mean to, you know, generalize and stereotype and everything, but it is true. I think you're seeing in, yeah, in but yeah. with her friends, you know, they sit on FaceTime for an hour and a half and, yeah. just, you know what I mean? And just like yeah. talk and listen to music. And so it is so true. I think even the, the activities that they're participating in does say so much, um, Absolutely. Which, you know, I think one important piece about that is that we can nurture our children, our boys um, and our, our girls to learn at a young age how to build intimate relationships so that they don't become adult men who feel distanced. Right. And we can do that by finding ways to make it safe for them to talk about how they're feeling about things. Um, for them to be able to have other ways of socially interacting, even if it means that it is like sitting around talking about sports, but maybe it's like in the same room as each other or um, encouraging them to reach out to their friends. Even last night, my husband's friend was having a tough time and he was like, do you think I should reach out and like tell him I'm here if he needs me? And I was like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you should. I he's know, like, right. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. He might think it's weird. I was like, he's not going to, you wouldn't think it was weird. He's not going to think it's weird. And so I think also just encouraging that, that interaction and making it safe to do, um, can help them to like deepen their connections with, with the people around them. Right. And also I think about his wife, like how awesome would it be for his wife? If your husband reached out and said that because, or I shouldn't assume his partner or whatever, because it takes some of the burden off of them. You know, I always think of it about it from the, like, I want someone to take some of that burden off of me because it is true that sometimes I feel like, you know, with my husband, the friend, the caregiver, the, uh, and he gives so much of that to me. Also, I just also have these supplemental relationships from people who, when I'm, when, when I'm sick, you know, 10 people are reaching out to me. And when he's sick, it's my friends asking me, how is he, you know, like it's so it's, it's completely different. And it does, it, it takes a toll on you to be all of those roles for one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be really exhausting. And, you know, I see that actually across the board, whether it's a same sex couple or a heterosexual couple, there tends to be one person in the relationship who is a little bit more comfortable. Um, when we're talking about those meta emotions, they're a little bit more in tune with, you know, wanting to talk about feelings, wanting to connect over the good and the bad and kind of being really intimate. And there tends to be one partner who isn't like, people tend to be attracted to these opposites, right? Where they are the feeler and the other person is the logistics. And so there's a lot of beauty in that, but it puts a ton of burden on the feeler to be like, did you remember it's your mom's birthday? Did you remember that? Like, 
are, are you noticing that our kid is crying in the corner right now? Are you going to go tell them like to come here and get a hug? Like, hello, are, are you seeing all of this? And so it can be a pretty big burden to be that person. It could. Do you find that same sex relationships, same sex couples, like, do they more have, is it kind of equal with the, you know, that they have outside people who are, um, more involved? It depends. You know, I, I see actually across the board, the same challenges that there tends to be one person in a relationship who is much more social, right? They value that. That's like a core need they have. And another person who is much more, um, you know, cerebral, interested in talking about topics, not feelings. Um, and that the conflicts feel the same, you know, across the board where it's like, why aren't you noticing how I'm feeling? Um, or why are you always spending so much time with your friends? I want, I I want us to hang out, but then this other person needs a lot more time socially than maybe their partner does. And so it's interesting because while we can definitely see generalizations in this is how men are socialized. This is how women are socialized. We also know that that socialization, um, can happen in different ways for different people. And that regardless of if you are a woman or a man or non-binary, you might grow up really craving intimacy and being good at it, or you might grow up feeling like emotions aren't helpful. I don't need a ton of close relationships. That's not my thing. It's a time waster. Um, and that the really important thing is that you kind of know what your partner is and that you can understand, okay, this is interesting. You're someone who doesn't think emotions are important. Um, or not that they're not important, but you don't think that they're helpful. And I'm someone who does think they're helpful. Um, you're not someone who thinks you need a million relationships, but I, I do. And how can we talk about the ways in which that impacts us? How can we talk about the strengths that your difference brings to me? Um, and also how can we navigate the challenges that your quote deficit brings to me? (laughs) Right. That's true. Is there a way to get our husbands to be more, social and to want those relationships more and to take more initiative to reach out to friends or even like you were saying, you know, you have to remind them that it's their mother's birthday and everything. (laughs) Are there ways to get them to be more active like that? Yeah. So I think the first place that I usually, this is a conflict that comes up in couples therapy. So this is a really good conversation because I talk about this a lot with people. So one thing that I often encourage the partner who is concerned about their part, you know, they're like, it's really frustrating. And I never reach out to anybody. I have to do it for them. I say, well, Hey, slow down. Can you be curious about what they want around that? You know, cause you're different people. You value, um, social, social relationships, celebrating birthday parties, letting people know they're cared about all of that. Your partner might not, or they might. And so a really interesting place to start is often to say what you've noticed, you know, Hey, I've noticed that I'm always kind of like flurrying about when it's your mom's birthday. And I'm like worried about the cake and I'm making a dinner reservation. I'm doing all of this. What, when you think about your mom's birthday, like what's important to you, does that feel important that we do that? Or is it something that it doesn't really matter? 
for you. And like asking truly with like out judgment, sometimes they will say, Oh no, it matters to me a lot. Like if we didn't do that, I'd feel terrible. And I'm so grateful that you remember. Sometimes they'll say, honestly, I, it doesn't matter a ton to me. Like I would be happy just sending a birthday text. Birthdays aren't that big of a deal. If they say it's important to me and I'm glad you remember, I think that's where the conversation goes in the direction of, well, you know, honey, that kind of feels, if it does for you, it kind of feels imbalanced. You know, I, it matters to you. Your relationship with your mom matters to you. I'm wondering if you would be open to like hearing some of the things that I'm thinking about what this does to your relationship with your mom. If I'm the only one taking care of everything, you know, cause it's coming from me, not you. If it's on the other hand, where they're saying, I don't, I just don't value that. Like I'm not, I don't care. I don't want people to celebrate me. I don't need to celebrate them. Then I think it's more talking about how interesting it is that your values are different. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, I wonder what would happen if I stopped doing all of this for your mom, then, um, I think it would feel bad for me and like kind of owning that some of that is coming from you and that you can relieve yourself of that burden if you wanted to and let your partner deal with their own relationship with their mother or whoever. Um, I would say that most of the time though, people do say, I do care about it. And that's where you can kind of give your insight around, this is what I think would be helpful. Would any of that feel comfortable for you? I think I'm going to pull back. Um, a huge thing of letting go of the mental load, because this is mental load, is pulling back. So even though it might kill you inside to not go get the cake for your husband's mom's birthday, you just don't get it. And you say, did you get a cake, honey? And like, let them feel that because they've already admitted to you that they care. Um, but those are just some initial directions that I would probably go in. Right. And it's so hard because you know that if the cake isn't bought, that I think stereotypically it's thought like it's the wife's fault, right? Yeah. Like but the mother-in-law is going to not blame her son. She's going to blame the daughter. Totally. Which is and like, so can, hard. And can you sit with that? And I think that women burden themselves so much, um, trying to please everyone and not have anyone feel in conflict or upset or forgotten or disappointed. Um, but a huge piece of allowing your partner to take control of their own relationships sometimes is allowing yourself momentarily to look like the bad guy and allowing yourself to be like, oh, you know, I thought that he was getting it a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, my husband has taken over a lot of like the mental load stuff in our family. We've kind of had a shift in the way we do things and we're doing, you know, he's a million of women just thought to themselves, how did she do that? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been years. It was all me at first, but we have read a lot together, talked a lot together. He's seen that I've had like just a ton of work this year. So he actually like pulled back from his job and he's been doing a lot of things at home. But I said, you know, I'm not going to do birthday party stuff anymore. Like if people invite us to things, you're RSVPing. If you don't, we're not going. And the other day a friend reached out and said, Hey, I didn't get your RSVP yet. And I said, if I remember, I think that invitation went to Andrew. Can you resend it to him? Good for you. I did not take it on, but that is so hard to do. Right? Like my inner self wanted to be like, 
okay, let me look at the calendar. We'll be there. I'm so sorry that we missed it, but I gave it right back to him. And if you want to change that dynamic, you have to give it back. And then you have to be willing to have the other person be like, wow, like, what was that about? Where's the birthday cake? Why didn't she just say yes or no? Um, but it, it allows then your partner to learn the skills that they might not have learned when they were children because they just weren't socialized that way. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I know so, and so many times you just want to be like, I don't even, I mean, I like my mother-in-law, so I don't want her to think this is directed at her, oh, yeah, but yeah. so many times people are like, I don't even like your fucking mom. Why am I buying her a fucking birthday cake? Right. Yeah. Like it's yeah. sort of like, not only am I doing the work, but she's not even nice to me. So yeah, and yeah. I think it then adds to the resentment. Like if you didn't like her a little bit, now you're not going to like her a lot because right, exactly. like, you're not nice to me and I'm so nice to you. And I'm the only reason you have a relationship with your child. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And I think it's also so good for our kids to see that. I mean, you like, I feel like you want your, you know, your sons and your daughters to see that the dynamics of a relationship can work like that. And I think that's what we've fallen into Adam and I, and it's taken us a long time to even start to get out of that is just the mimicking what our parents did. And because they had that those extremes of my dad worked all the time and my mom was home and these were the roles, we sort of just fell into that. Um, And it's really, once you fall into that, it's sort of really hard to dig yourself back out. It's so hard. And one of the things I talk about a lot is that we are operating off of the template we saw, which is why across the board, heterosexual relationships, same-sex relationships, they tend to have similar issues because they're operating off of what they saw, no matter what their relationship composition is. Um, And so there's one person that does X, Y, and Z, and there's another person that feels responsible for this other thing, but we're living off of that template while we're not actually living lives like that. And so both people might be working, but the woman is still seeing themselves as being responsible for whatever they saw the parent they identify with responsible for. So if you identify more with the mother figure, you are going to think, even if you're working 40 hours a week, you're also going to think I'm responsible for birthday invitations, dentist appointments, all of that. And I don't know how to operate outside of that, but you have to remember you're carrying the burden of all this other stuff plus that. And the same with a partner who identifies more with the father figure. They're going to think I'm supposed to provide, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to be the logistics, I'm supposed to be um, the problem solver. And their lives actually might not be set up that way. It might make more sense for them to take the kids to the dentist because they work from home, Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't know how to make that fit within their, their model. And so it's really hard for a lot of couples right now to kind of peel that apart. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. Um, And 
as far as kids go, this is always so interesting to me. We actually just did um, an episode, Adam and I, sort of reflecting on this about how one thing I said that I think my parents did really well when I was growing up, especially when I was a teenager, I was the youngest child. So um, my my brother is 10 years older than me. My sister is seven years older than I am. So by the time I was going through high school, um, my parents were a little bit older and, you know, there wasn't the same, I don't, they were still great parents, but there wasn't the same kind of, I want to say like enthusiasm about, <laughs> you know, taking me to the sports events and taking, yeah. it just, it just wasn't, you know, and they were tired and they were, it just it wasn't the same. And I really, I, I sought out other relationships, not even so much. I wasn't like, oh, my parents are, you know, neglecting me. So I'm seeking out other relationships. That wasn't it at all. It was more like I knew that I needed certain things that my parents weren't giving me. And I was very close with the mom of the family I babysat for. I was very, very close with my former teachers. Um, I worked at a clothing store and I was very close with the managers there. Like, and my parents had never were at one point like, what do you, why are you spending so much time with these other adults? You know, they were never like, you need to be home. Mm -hmm. They were, they were very open to the fact that as long as these people were good influences and they knew them, um, that it was okay that I had these other role models and these other people in my life. And I think they were like that from the time that I was younger. I mean, I spent lots of times at families, at, at friends' houses and was close with their parents and everything. So is there is there an importance of having a lot of outside role models? You know, I, I talked about my my daughter is um, a lesbian and I, there are certain things I, I can't understand that she goes through. And so I'm constantly telling her like, you know, you should seek out the, the teacher of, you know, the Gay Straight Alliance, you should seek out the mentor at, you know, the youth group that she goes to for LGBTQ and everything. Like, I want her to have those. I can't teach her. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So is there like an importance in that? Yes. I loved what you said when, you know, you were saying when you were little, you kind of just wreck it or a teenager or whatever, you recognize there were things that your parents couldn't give you. And you said it in such a beautiful way where you said, but it wasn't because they were bad parents. Like it doesn't need to be that your kids need outside support because you're failing them. It's because there's certain things you just can't give them. Right. And the same with your daughter, you're recognizing like there's certain things that I give her. There are certain things that I don't necessarily have context for. I'm not going to be the best support. Um, and I think from, and of course, like you said, safe people, we don't want to just be dropping our kids exactly. off. With right. any person. Totally. <laughs> but I think that it's so valuable for children to have many safe adults, many safe friends in their lives, because there are parts of your child that are not going to be best supported by you. And your child is not just the spitting image of you. They're not just like, um, yeah, they're not the spitting image of you. And I think sometimes, and I work with a lot of moms around this because I find that sometimes it feels really hard to have these other influences on their children's lives. Like this is something that will come up in therapy. You know, I'm so frustrated that they always want to be over at their aunt's house or something. And I really kind of explore like, where's that? 
coming from for you? What's the fear there? Is the fear that you're failing them, that you're not going to be able to control what they're like learning or who they're becoming, that you can't trust your child? Like what, what are the fears? Because if you're struggling to let your kid have these other influences, sometimes even people that you don't like, right? Like you might not like your in-laws, but your child might love their grandparent and they need that relationship. And you need to take a deep breath and bite your tongue and let them have that relationship. Um, because your child is having special moments with them. That's helping them to character develop and, um, navigate themselves outside of you. And that's, that's really important. And it's also like a huge relief to a parent to be able to say, oh, I don't know how to support my daughter with some LGBTQ issues. So I don't have to be perfect around this, but what I can do is I can openly support these other relationships that will help with that. So it, it relieves the parent as soon as they can kind of get over those fears. Yeah. Even when my kids, I feel like we're really, really little and trust me, Adam and I made tons of mistakes, but from the time that our kids were really little and we would go away, people would say, how could you leave? How could you leave them with this person or that person? Or we had a babysitter who was 19, who we left our kids with sometimes, which I swear she's more responsible than I was. Yeah. <laughs> I would say to them, wait a minute, they're getting something so awesome from this other person that you learn something different from everybody. So if oh I'm gosh, just yeah. with them all the time, first of all, I'm going to burn out. And secondly, they're not going to get those influences from, you know, the, the movies that they show them that I would never show them and the foods that they yesterday, <laughs> I was talking to somebody and she's like, yeah, you know, I hate I hate fish and my kids have like never eaten fish. And I'm like, well, so have somebody who loves seafood, take them to a seafood restaurant. You know, yeah. so it's like that those, I mean, I realize that's a, a minute thing to worry about, but-, but I actually think that's really important because you're talking about like you're building a world for your children by allowing them to be in the world and you're allowing them to see what else exists. Like my mom actually takes my son for about four or five days a month, which is amazing. Amazing. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> amazing. And you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh my God, I can never do that. And I'm like, no, it is. He is so happy to go. He's so happy when he's home and he comes home with these things that just aren't in our home. Like my mom tells us to sit at the table like this. Isn't that nice? I'm like, that is nice. We should start sitting, you know, we should start putting napkins out at the table. Would you like to help me fold them? Or my mom had me try X, Y, and Z, or, you know, my mom wasn't being, she wasn't being nice. Cause she told me I couldn't have da, 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 da. And it's like, well, how did you navigate that? What did you do? So it's also allowing them to practice their social skills because they don't have to practice their social skills with you. You're, you're close to them, but they do have to learn how to get along with other people. So, you know, if he's at my mom's house for four days, he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out how to ask for things and how to, um, yeah, talk about what's going on for him, say no, say yes, listen. So I think it's hugely valuable. And to be comfortable in another environment and yeah. yeah make him yeah. home somewhere else. Yeah. You have done so much relationships for how many years have you been studying this? So I've been working with people as a therapist for over a decade and I've been studying it for like, I guess, 20 years. Wow. 
And yes. now you have a new book out called I Want This to Work, yeah. an inclusive guide to navigating the most difficult relationship issues we face in the modern age. Can you tell us a little bit about this book? Yeah. So it is a book that really includes kind of all of the relationship information that you would need to have. I wrote it because I found that I was having to recommend like 80 books when really the most pertinent pieces could kind of be put in one concise book. Um, and it's also called an inclusive guide because it is inclusive of all types of relationships. So I don't differentiate between, you know, including same sex relationships, heterosexual relationships, they're all in there. And I also identify some of the challenges that they might individually face based off of the type of relationship that you're in. Um, so you will also see yourself in this book. It was really important to me because I would recommend books to couples and they would come in and they would say, everyone in this book is straight. Does it apply to me? And I would say, Yes, it does. But that is not fair that you have to make that jump and guess that it applies to you, but it absolutely applies to you because people relate no matter what type of relationship they're in, in similar ways. Um, So it was just important that people could see themselves in it. But I take people through the three most important things that you need to learn to have a healthy relationship, which is you need to learn how to connect with the other person and yourself. You need to learn how to navigate conflict because you're going to have it no matter what. And you also need to learn how to repair. So you need to learn how to say, I'm sorry, or to accept a hug or to move forward after there's been rupture. And so I teach all three of those things. That's awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can get it and where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find the book. It's called, I want this to work anywhere. Books are sold. Um, support your local bookstores and you can find me on Instagram at Liz listens or on my website at Elizabeth Earnshaw.com. Awesome. And we'll put all those uh, in the show notes and on our Instagram feed and everything. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited for you. It sounds like an amazing, like amazing book that you have coming out and that you do so much cool stuff going on. And so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 